What is up, everyone? It is your boy, The Tank. It's Wednesday at noon, and I am here to talk to you about college and NFL football for the next hour on Weagle 91.1 FM. Let's not waste any time and get on with the show. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Tank Talks Football on Weagle 91.1 FM in Auburn. I'm your host, Tank, and I'll be here for the next hour to talk college football and NFL football with you. And the nickname Tank comes from when I was playing soccer in high school. I know it's confusing being an Auburn student, being named Tank. I, I could make an argument that I got my nickname before Tank Bigsby, but that's a discussion for another day. But without further ado, let's get into it. I want to start off my uh, start off my show with my thoughts from this past week of football. Starting with college football, of course, it being my uh, preferred sport. Uh, I'll start off with my uh, favorite uh, Group of Five team, Cincinnati. They got a big win over a Power Five opponent in Indiana, thirty-eight twenty-four. That defense was able to force three interceptions from Michael Penix Jr. Uh, big win for Luke Fickle in Cincinnati. Uh, I've been a big fan of Cincinnati since me and my roommate started our own NCAA 14 Road to Glory with them. And just to see them become a college football playoff contender right right before our eyes is amazing to see. I, I treat that uh, treat that team like they're my own sons because I've played with most of those guys on uh, NCAA 14, of course. But uh, I remember I called this game in about July where I said Cincinnati will, in fact, beat Indiana, and they did by 14. Up next, they have Notre Dame in about two weeks, where I will probably say the same thing for them then. Another big thing, uh, Clemson. Uh, Clemson looked pretty weak on offense against Georgia Tech, only scoring 14 points, only winning the game by six points, 14 to eight. Uh, I also I wonder when the AP poll is going to realize that uh, Clemson is no longer an AP top 10 team. They, of course, DJ Ungalalalele, uh, is, I have to question if he's a little overrated. We kind of – he got so much hype coming in after Trevor Lawrence. I'm kind of concerned if maybe it was too much for him and we're kind of seeing him play more like a Kelly Bryant kind of role. Because, of course, Clemson has been known for their quarterback play in the, over the past uh, few years with uh, Taj Boyd, Deshaun Watson, and, of course, Trevor Lawrence last year. Uh, DJ was supposed to be the – I think supposed to be the better of all three of them. He was supposed to be – as mobile as Deshaun Watson and as good at throwing the ball as Trevor Lawrence was. But so far this season, it has not been the case. Uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll talk Auburn a little bit too since I, I'm an Auburn fan. Uh, Auburn played pretty well against a top-10 opponent. Didn't get the result that most Auburn fans wanted. I, of course, predicted Auburn to win by four, but we lost by eight. Uh, I have to say I got I was on Twitter a lot during that game. Uh, I was not – happy with how people were treating the quarterback play. I remember I wrote an article for Eagle Eye, but uh, Bo Nix was getting way too much hate for that game. When I saw Bo Nix, this has been the best game, best away game that I've seen Bo Nix play since he's been at Auburn. Bo Nix did not turn over the ball. He did exactly what he was asked to. He doesn't call the plays. I saw him stand in the pocket, make reads, and sometimes the ball got away from him. But you can't you can't expect every quarterback to have perfect games. No quarterback has ever had a perfect game. And I think what we saw from Bo Nix is actually a really good game considering the fact that we saw how he played against, like, a Florida team 
how he's played against Alabama before in these situations. He's clearly shown that he has improved. I know it's the big joke over the offseason was this is the year uh, and that whole meme. But I honestly, you cannot deny the fact that Bo Nix has, in fact, improved. I've never seen him this poised in the pocket in the three years that he's been starting. And, of course, he's only played against, you know, an Akron, Alabama State. and But he played against a good Penn State team like this, and I expect him to play just as good throughout the rest of the season. I don't expect him to be an all-timer, but I expect him to be one of those quarterbacks that you remember fondly at his time at Auburn. Uh, staying in the SEC, I have Ole Miss. Ole Miss beat Tulane 61-21, an opponent that uh, number four Oklahoma could not really get rid of for the entire game. But behind Matt Corral, who ran for four touchdowns and passed for three, it was a ridiculous offensive showing for Ole Miss, who looks like they could be a big threat in the SEC for this year. Especially looking at Alabama, who gave up so many rushing yards to Florida in their, in their win. Uh, Alabama, of course, gave up 245 rushing yards. Uh, Florida, of course, probably could have won that game had they put in their backup quarterback, Anthony Richardson, but they didn't. And, of course, they only lost by two because of a weird two-point conversion play call, of course, uh, being a read option where Emory Jones held onto the ball for way too long. But this Bama defense looks uh, like one of the weakest defenses we've seen Alabama have in quite some time. Uh, But – for Alabama, you have to look at the offensive side of the ball where that is clearly where their strong point is. Nick Saban has been pushing this offensive uh, powerhouse for years now. Bama, of course, being – Bama was formerly known for how good their defense was. Now they're more known for how, uh, like, unstoppable their offense is. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Alabama does just does not look invincible. They are good. They're the best team in college football, but they are not unstoppable anymore. I think Ole Miss is probably, besides Auburn maybe, Auburn is, uh, Ole Miss is probably the biggest threat to Alabama this year. Uh, we also had some uh, very fun games to watch from this past week. Fresno State, their quarterback, would would beat number 13 UCLA on an injured hip. Uh, there was three touchdowns in the last three minutes of that game. Uh, I, Jake Hayner was the quarterback, threw for like 400 yards, only to like two touchdowns. But he was—he threw the game winner with 14 seconds left to take down an opponent who I had winning the Pac-12 at one point this year. But now I kind of see Oregon's going to try to run away with this like they consistently do. Uh, and uh, looking at Big Ten now, I see Michigan State is on their way back up. I always think college football is at its best when Michigan State is playing at a, at a high uh, – uh, whenever Michigan State is playing really well. Of course, Michigan State's running back leads uh, leads college football in rushing after uh, rushing for 264 yards against uh, Northwestern, who had a really good defense last year. I don't know what happened to Northwestern. But, of course, Michigan State's running back, Kenneth Walker III, averaging 13.3 yards per carry, who's first in uh, college football. I believe second would be Jarquez Hunter, uh, backup running back for Auburn, who was averaging 12.3. But, yeah. Michigan State looks really good. I think they could make a push for that Big Ten at some point, but I don't know if it's going to be this year because how good Penn State looks and how good Iowa looks. and Maybe Ohio State is going to be on its way back at some point, but right now I'm not too high on Ohio State. Uh, other uh, uh, big names that I saw not play as well would be Oklahoma and Notre Dame. Uh, Oklahoma 
is probably going to win the Big 12 anyways, but I don't think they're going to – they do not deserve a college football playoff spot at this moment. Looking at their very close win over a very bad Nebraska team who lost to Illinois week one, but they only won 23-16. Oklahoma's defense was big, uh, was very hyped up into the – uh, going into the season, uh, we saw against Tulane that their defense wasn't that good. But then we watched them play against Nebraska, and the defense is stopping Nebraska. They're not letting them score as much. But then we see the Spencer Rattler in the offense isn't really moving the ball that well. So I'd feel like Oklahoma could be a, like a very good team deserving of that number four spot in the AP poll if they're able to get their offense and defense playing more consistently together, which hasn't really been the case thus far this season. Uh, but I'm going to move on from college football now. Look at my NFL thoughts from this week. Turn my page. Uh, I, a question I would pose to people that they can tweet me uh, on my uh, from my Twitter, at your boy the tank, boy spelled B-O-I. Uh, when is it too early? Oh, yeah. Is it too early in week two to call someone a bust? Or when is it too early to call someone a bust? Because I look at uh, Trevor Lawrence. I know he's playing for a very bad Jag- Jaguars team who just came off a 1-15 season. But when you're, a, when you're a player of his caliber, someone who is very – he was projected to be like a top like 15 quarterback already. When you look at someone like that, as good as T-Law was at Clemson and as good as he's supposed to be in the NFL, losing to the Texans is, unex- is uh, unacceptable. So far, he is 50% from completion, uh, 450 yards, four touchdowns, five picks. This is against the Texans and the Broncos, both losses. And I pose, is it too early to call T-Law a bust? We were expecting a great season from him, rookie of the year, without a doubt. Now it's kind of looking like he's not going to win that award, but he's not even looking like the best quarterback in his draft class right now. Maybe like top three, maybe top four, but no higher than that. And, of course, another uh, player that we could look at, uh, Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson threw four picks in his loss to the pa- the Patriots. I wonder if it's too early to call him a bust as well. But, I mean, he was more of a raw talent than T-Law was. Zach Wilson was more known for his deep ball and his ability to make plays on his, with his legs. But Zach Wilson's deep ball was not really helping with the fact that he's not – he's kind of – it's kind of ominous of uh, – of Drew Locke when he was playing last year, where it was like, yeah, he could throw the ball deep down the field, but he's not doing it at a safe manner to where he's not, he's going to be turning over the ball way too much through four picks in a game. At the point he threw four picks, he only had four completions. And that, so for a quarter, as bad as the Jets are, that is unacceptable from a quarterback. He, I think he almost broke the record for picks in a game set by Mark Sanchez if, during one of his years there. But yeah. Uh, and I'm going to start off with uh, – I'll talk about my team. The Carolina Panthers start off 2-0 and after they whoop the New Orleans Saints 26-7. Sam Darnold is starting to play like he was a he, – that he was a number three pick in the draft. Uh, of course, with the Jets, he had Adam Gase, probably one of the worst uh, football minds in the NFL history. Uh, he's finally playing at an upper level. And the Panthers only got him for a second-round pick, and he's starting to play better than – you would expect like a pick like that to have played by now. He's not turning over the ball. He's making plays that he needs to. He's not, uh, and he he knows 
how to win. Of course, we expected this from him when he was at the Jets because when you're number three pick, you are expected to be Hall of Fame material. That's at least your ceiling. And uh, I'm, I really like what Sam Darnold's doing. I've, I was high on him whenever the Panthers got him. Of course, everyone wanted, like, you know, the big names, like when Deshaun Watson was supposed to be the big name in the recruiting or in the, in the trade talks. But then the Panthers brought in Sam Darnold, and I know some people, were, my roommates were, like, laughing at me because, like, hi, you got Sam Darnold, he sucks. But I was optimistic about it. I know how talented this guy is. You don't get taken that high in the draft if you're not talented. I was. I have high hopes for Sam Darnold. I think he's going to have a great season. And I think the Panthers could push for a wild card spot after a season where they went 5-11 and 11 and another season. Or, and every analyst was in there trying to tell everyone, oh, the Panthers aren't going to be good. They're only going to win like four or five games again. But Sam Darnold is looking pretty good, like a top – He's pretty, he's like in the top ten of some people's recruitment and some people's rankings. He's like a top fifteen quarterback right now, and of course on the other side of the ball, the Panthers' defense has been playing lights out. Uh, Shaq Thompson at linebacker has been getting sacks, getting picks. The secondary is looking really good with J.C. Horn, the eighth pick in the draft from last year from South Carolina, and on the other side, Dante Jackson, former uh, LSU corner. Of course, DBU LSU is able to produce year in and year out corner talent and secondary talent uh this uh and brian burns of course is turning into one of the best edge rushers in the nfl uh i really like what this panthers defense is doing it's young which is the best part about it i feel like this could be a top five defense in the next like three three years really panthers look like they're back to their 2015 kind of defense i don't want to jinx anything i'll knock on my table right now but the Panthers' defense is looking really good. The Panthers are way ahead of schedule on where they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be a rebuilding year. But it's looking like we're going to be pushing for that wild card spot. Even We could even push for NFC South, uh, the NFC South winner spot. But, of course, we have to go through Tom Brady twice this year. Uh, also, i got to ask if this is finally the year that Kyler Murray is going to win the, uh, win the MVP. Uh, we're coming up on a break soon, but I'll throw this out there real quick. Uh, Arizona is looking like they're going to have an MVP with Kyler Murray after they beat the Vikings 34-33. And also seems like uh, the Vikings are where kickers go to die. Uh, of course, the Vikings missed a game-winning field goal, which cost them the game. It was probably – the Vikings are very much known for missing these kind of field goals. But uh, when I come back from this break, I will talk how bad officiating was uh, from this past week of football. We'll be back to ta- with Tank Talks Football. Welcome back to Tank Talks Football. And I have to say, the officiating this week, terrible job by the refs. Uh, we had, for NFL, we had countless taunting calls that made absolutely no sense, of course. Uh, it seems like the NFL is starting to push this fact where you're not allowed to celebrate after making tackles or getting touchdowns or doing anything, really. They're trying to mold these athletes and they're making millions of dollars to do this. They're trying to mold them into, like, robots, I guess. I know one of them was a Seahawks player. I can't quite remember his name, but it was, he made a tackle on a Titans player, and he just kind of stood up and flexed and screamed like most defensive players do when they make tackles. And all of a sudden, here comes the yellow marker, taunting, automatic first down. Ridiculous, bogus calls. I hate that they're trying to push this, that you're not allowed to, like, celebrate anymore. 
especially you know, that's kind of ruining the defense because now you're just having to get a tackle, get up, get lined up again, and that's it. You have to do that every play. Even if you make a key play, you have to just get up, not say anything, and move on. And I know that happened uh, in college. I can't remember who exactly happened to, but I know there was a 100-yard pick six that got pulled, that taken back because the guy was celebrating on the way to the end zone. Just ridiculous. You're ta- they're taking the fun out of football. When you get a 100-yard pick six, I don't think you're just not going to celebrate. And, of course, when you get like a, a tackle for a loss, a defensive lineman or a corner or a safety is just going to get up and they're going to celebrate too. And then when they see it as taunting, you're just kind of ruining the uh, the uh, well, lack of a better term, the ego of these players because they're like, okay, I made a key play, but if I'm happy for myself that I made this play, then it's going to hurt my team, which is just absolutely dumb. Um, we also had uh, in college football at least a Mississippi State Memphis game where. Mississippi State punted the ball, downed it inside the 10, I believe. But since the guy didn't, he uh, the Mississippi State player touched the ball and took a knee, which downs the ball. A Memphis player then ran up, picked up the ball, ran it all the way to, to the end zone, touchdown. They review, I think they reviewed it, but they still called it a touchdown regardless. And Memphis would win the game by two after a late game surge from, from uh, Mississippi State. I know a lot of Mississippi State fans, and they were not happy with this. Uh, they definitely got screwed out of the game. They were making a surge. That touchdown was huge for Memphis. It really gave them the win. It really gave them a win. Uh, of course, you can't blame everything on one play, but uh, that play was a huge factor in what happened. Uh, we also had Oklahoma State beating Boise because a Boise State scoop and score was ruled dead. Oklahoma State player fumbled the ball. Boise player picks it up, runs it for runs it to the end zone, and then uh, they called it back, said he was down. Oklahoma State gets the ball, or keeps the ball. Boise loses by one. Absolutely ridiculous officiating this week. But also on the officiating end, something that I think needs to be revised in football is the targeting rule. Targeting is the most inconsistent uh, penalty I have ever seen in college football because they never know the whole thing is supposed to be the intention of it if you're leaping towards someone if you're intentionally going for someone's head yeah sure call the targeting but like was the Kobe McLean uh, against Penn State this week I don't see how that's targeting maybe I don't know the targeting rules as well as I think I do but looking at it, he was if he did not tackle if he did not hit him like he did Penn State scores right then and there. And it, and they even reviewed it, and they said, oh, yeah, that was targeting. Which, if you look at it, he clearly hit him in the shoulder with his shoulder, and any helmet-to-helmet thing was completely accidental. And I feel like intention is supposed to be the big thing of this uh, penalty call. And just looking at it from, like, a fan standpoint, it, it sucks that you had to watch our – probably our one of our best – players on the team get taken out of the game in the middle of the third quarter and luckily we're only we're playing our uh, we're playing we're not playing an SEC opponent this week so maybe it's not as huge that we're losing him for this first half but it was really huge in that game 
where Auburn's defense wasn't really able to stop Penn State's offense very much, mostly because we couldn't get any uh, pressure on the quarterback. But without Zacoby and, of course, Owen Papo got hurt as well, uh, Auburn was down their two best defenders for most of the second half. Uh, I think this targeting call needs to, be revi- needs to be revised in some way, shape, or form. I don't specifically know how to do it, but I just know it needs to happen. You cannot call targeting if on someone who is not actively trying to hit someone in the head with their head. That's supposed to be the whole thing. It's like you cannot do – it's supposed to be crown of the helmet makes contact with their head. It's like to prevent brain damage. It makes sense. I l- the penalty makes sense. It's like, all right, you're protecting your players. But when is the protection going too far? It's like, okay, Zacoby, if he does not hit that guy where he hit him, it's a touchdown. And then uh, Auburn's down by seven. Even though the Pitt State scored anyways, it wasn't that huge. But he did stop them from scoring on that play. Zacoby even put on Twitter afterwards, like, oh, so I guess I just have to let them score then. Ridiculous. Uh, we see this week in, week out where – uh, refs just throw throw the flag when they see a big hit. It's like, all right, targeting. I believe uh, Ole Miss Louisville, I think there was like four in that third quarter, which is ridiculous. Uh, it seems like they are being way too cautious with the, some of these tackles. I'm a, I'm a huge hater of the targeting call. Because, again, I don't think one targeting call should get you kicked out of the game. I feel like maybe if you do two, maybe do two chances. Like, unnecessary roughness, is not unsportsmanlike conduct, is you get two attempts to get that call and you're out of the game. But targeting is one. I don't know how doing an unsportsmanlike conduct kind of thing is warranted to have two chances, but, oh, I'm running at 20 miles an hour. This other guy's running at 20 miles an hour. I need to think quick and move my head out of the way so I can properly hit this guy without getting a flag on me. I don't get how that is worthy of only having one chance against you rather than, oh, I just punched this guy in the head. All right, well, if I do it again, I'm out. I don't I hate I hate the targeting call so much. It needs to at least be two chances like that's what my conduct is. Uh I'm also gonna I got five minutes for my next break. Uh, I want to look at Arch Manning a little bit. Uh, he visited Georgia this week. Big-time recruit for 2023. He's probably the number one quarterback in is, – is the number one quarterback in his class, of course. Uh, Arch Manning is kind of pulling in this kind of hype that uh, Quinn Ewers was whenever he was going through his recruiting process. Of course, he is now at Ohio State. Uh, skipped a year out of high school to uh, go ahead and early enroll into Ohio State. And he's not the starter yet, but we expect him to be the starter in either next year or the year next, or the year after. Uh, but Arch Manning may be his top five because he re- released his recru- his visiting schedule. Uh, Georgia, which he visited this week against South Carolina, Bama, Texas, Clemson, and Ole Miss are all on the, on the table for him. Of course, Arch Manning is the nephew of Peyton Manning and Eli. Eli played at Ole Miss. He's going to be visiting Ole Miss when they play LSU to uh, where they will be retiring Eli's jersey. Uh, I would love Arch to go to uh, to go to Ole Miss. I love Ole Miss right now. I just don't really want him to go to Bama, which I feel like most Auburn fans would agree with that sentiment. But uh, 
it'd be huge if Ole Miss got him because uh, with Matt Corral, the quarterback, Ole Miss has always been known for their good quarterbacks, and to get a quarterback of like Arch Manning's name would really put them into that quarterback factory that they have kind of been over the past few years. All the quarterbacks have played very well. Never really, not a, none of them have really transmitted over to the NFL like maybe they could have, but Ole Miss is turning into a like QBU possi- possibly. They're not going to be on like at the level of like a Oklahoma or a, or a, even a USC or anything. But their quarterbacks are always talented enough to get some looks. And I feel like Matt Corral is going to be the first of a long line of Ole Miss quarterbacks going to get taken in the first round. Uh, of course, Arch Manning has two years to decide, uh, and. My the funny thing I find about this is the fact that Tennessee is not on his list. Uh, maybe it's just because he doesn't. Maybe it's just because Tennessee is as bad as they are, and he doesn't want to mess with that. Or the fact that uh, maybe since Cooper was probably going to go to Ole Miss, and his like granddad goes to Ole Miss, he just follow the family and go to Ole Miss. And I I would love to see. I I don't think Texas is going to be a big factor. I don't know how good Sark is as recruiting right now. Since he couldn't even pull on Quinn Owers, even though Ohio State had plenty of quarterbacks on their roster, the transfer portal for Ohio State next year is going to be ridiculous. There's going to be five stars open everywhere come this fall or come this spring at least. Uh, Clemson, I I had to. I don't know how well Clemson's recruiting him, but I don't feel like Clemson would be a good spot for him because I think DJ is going to be there probably till his senior year, and by then they'll probably have in more uh, five star recruits. I will wonder. I don't think it's going to happen, but I feel like Arch Manning could be the next big-name quarterback to early enroll because, uh, I mean, he's as good as he is. He won't be as high as a recruit as most people. He's going to be like your like average five-star recruit, which is kind of weird to say. He won't be your perfect recruit. Uh, he could probably early enroll at any of these places, and it wouldn't matter because uh, – He's his name carries so much weight in the football world that that's an easy like six figure NIL deal just for like oh we got the uh the the little Manning we got the next goat at wherever he goes um but uh of course I feel like he's probably going to narrow it down to the three SEC schools I feel like those are his best chances at making it to the pros as quickly and as efficiently as possible of course, Alabama, they just produce a lot of good quarterbacks nowadays. Of course, Bryce Young still has probably three more years left in him after this year, depending on how he finished out this year. Uh, and Georgia has been, with JT Daniels, has been really good offensively. Uh, the thing about Georgia is they never they haven't had a quarterback go in the first round since Matthew Stafford. And since then, they've had Aaron Murray, Jake Fromm. Uh, they might claim Justin Fields, but Jake Fromm. And now JT Daniels, who JT Daniels is actually looking like he's going to be the first first round Georgia quarterback in a long time, and I feel like if he goes in the first round this year, that'll be a bring it put on a lot of pull for uh, for Arch Manning to look at Georgia, of course. Uh, but Bama, it, he's basically going to get two visits to Ole Miss too, because Bama's playing Ole Miss whenever he visits the uh, visits in Tuscaloosa. So if Ole Miss is able to beat Bama, and then Ole Miss beats LSU. Ole Miss is going to – the Rebels are going to have a lot of pull towards this quarterback. Uh, Matt Corral is probably going to be going to the draft this year if he's if he's able to live up to the amount of hype that he's carrying right now. Uh, 
And if he does, if he wins that Heisman, beats Bama, and possibly wins out because they're looking great right now, uh, Arch Manning probably will follow in his uncle and grandfather's footsteps and enroll at the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, when we come back from this break, I will talk about my top five teams that I've been most impressed with and the top five teams I've been least impressed with. We'll be back. Welcome back, everyone. We are in the back half of Tank Talks Football here on Weagle 91.1 in Auburn, Alabama. I'm going to start off this segment talking about my top five college football teams that I've been the most impressed with thus far. Now, of course, we're only three weeks in, but these five teams have really proven that they could keep up this hype for, through the next, uh, what, nine weeks of college football. I'll go from five to one. Uh, f- at five, I have the BYU Cougars. Uh, I thought Zach Wilson was their entire team last year, uh, and I was not really high on them going into this year. Turns out I was wrong. They're 3-0. and They have wins over two top 25 opponents in uh, Arizona State and Utah. Utah now down their starting quarterback, Charlie Brewer, left the program after getting benched last week. Uh, but BYU is looking pretty good. I would – if. If they were not independent, of course, they're going to be in the Big 12 in the next couple of years. If they were not independent, I could say they could make a push for the CFP. But, of course, not being in a Power 5 thing kind of hinders any per, any team's chances of making it to the CFP. At four, I have Michigan State. Uh, I said it at the beginning of the show, I love when Michigan State is good. When they're good, college football is good. Michigan State has looked really good, beating Northwestern beating Miami 38-17 where the running back has been running all over the place. I would if I would love for him to make a jump at the Heisman, but over the past few years besides last year with Devonta Smith, the Heisman has really just been a best quarterback on the best team award. Of course Devonte earned it last year, but I don't think a running back as before him, I don't think a running back's worn it since Derrick Henry and then since then it's just been quarterback, 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 etc. Uh, and at three, I have my second favorite team in college football is the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, I want them to be the first group of five team to make it to the college football playoff. I just need a few more teams to lose. But I also feel like the AP poll is kind of disrespecting them. You know, when you you ask for a team in the group of five to beat a power five opponent, and then you'll start giving them more votes. But they're just getting... They've been at eight for like the past three weeks. They have been jumped around, and I think Penn, like Clemson fell below them, but then someone else jumped above them, just keeping them at that eight spot because I feel like the the committee, the voters, really don't want a team that's not going to make them as much money in the playoff. Of course, they're going to want the Bamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons, the Oklahomas, the Georgias, all those teams. They want those teams in there. But if they bring an American Athletic Conference team, they're just – going to ignore them completely, even if they have a very good uh, resume as to why they should be in it, especially like last year. I feel like if you're going to – when you're looking at that number four spot, of course it's going to go Alabama, Clemson, Ohio Ohio State's arguable from last year at least, for me at least. And you look at a team that just lost in the ACC championship by a good amount, uh, a – a&M team that was really good, and you look at an undefeated Cincinnati team, and you're like, oh, well, A&M's already lost to Bama, so we're not going to put them in. Uh, Notre Dame just lost by uh, – or Cincinnati is undefeated. Is 
uh, basically blown out every opponent they play. Then, eh, but they're they're not power five, so we're going to back them up a little bit. But then we have Notre Dame, a team that just oh they beat Clemson whenever Clemson was down like eight players, but they just lost to Clemson when they have all their starters back by a lot. You know, maybe maybe they'll stand a chance against Bama, and then they put them in there because, of course, everyone's going to say a group of five opponent is going to get blown out by Bama, which everyone does. We've seen it happen to power five opponents, which is what we watch happen in the college football playoff every year. Why not? If Bama's going to win it anyways, why not make it fun? Why not have a group of five team play? It makes the sport more uh, – it makes the sport fun when we have teams of, like, Cincinnati – UCF in 2017 probably deserved it more than so, more than other teams probably did. But the committee is so against having these smaller teams that are not going to make them any money in because they're like, oh, well, strength of schedule is such a big thing. Okay, well, a few years back, Clemson wasn't playing any top 25 opponents. The ACC was at an all-time low whenever they were on the rise. They're and uh, like Ohio State, too. Ohio State was not playing against any good was not playing against a great Big Ten. Uh, Oklahoma hasn't had any trouble winning the Big 12 over the past, like, six years. What does it matter for that? What does it matter if they if their strength of schedule is only stronger because they're playing against Power 5 opponents? I look at Cincinnati as a team that very much deserves it, and they're looking to prove it this year with playing Indiana and playing Notre Dame in the same year. Notre Dame's also looking very low. I talk about them in a in a hot second in a little bit. Uh, but I'll move on to my number two team, which would be the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, Ole Miss has been shooting lights out offensively. Uh, Matt Corral has been on a tear. He's number one, I think, in the Heisman odds right now. Right after him is Bryce Young. Uh, I'll be saying hotty toddy for the rest of the season, except when he plays Auburn, because I would love to see Ole Miss. I would love – I honestly – I might pick them to beat Auburn. I would love to see Ole Miss go undefeated. It'd be so fun to see an Ole Miss team in the college football playoff. Because you expect Bama every year, but now you're going to get an Ole Miss team under Lane Kiffin that has been unstoppable on offense and, for some reason, kind of good on defense after they were ranked dead last in college football last year. Just out of nowhere, they've been shutting down teams, like a two-lane team uh, who put up good good points against Oklahoma or Louis, oh, I guess I say Louisville, but I expected Louisville to put up more points than they did against Ole Miss because I was not expecting this defense, a defensive surge that came out of nowhere from uh, from Ole Miss. But at number one, I have the Arkansas Razorbacks. I've been high on Arkansas since the end of last year after the Arkansas-Missouri game that ended 50-48. to 48. I think K.J. Jefferson has been a really good quarterback so, thus far. He has done what needs to be done for the team, and they have been winning games. They had they have beaten Texas two weeks ago or not two weeks ago, yeah two weeks ago. And this week they will be taking on the Aggies. I would love to see Arkansas beat the Aggies, and that would probably put them in the top ten, which we haven't seen since I think Darren McFadden. Uh, I really love what Sam Pittman's doing at Arkansas, and I've been very impressed as to where they are going right now. Uh, and then I'm gonna go into my top five teams that I've been the least impressed with. There are a lot of big names on this list. At number five, I have the Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma was raving about their defense all offseason, not shutting up about it. And then out of nowhere, Tulane puts up 40 on them. 
shuts them up. But then their defense comes back against Nebraska, shuts down Nebraska. But offense can't move the ball, can't score, very inconsistent. Oklahoma is not the fourth be- is not playing like the fourth best team in the nation, and I've been very unimpressed with them in the first three weeks of the season. Of course, I think they're still going to win the Big 12, but no one in the Big 12 is really all that good. It's kind of why the Big 12 isn't going to be a big conference in the next years because they're losing their two biggest moneymakers. And at four, I have Ohio State. I've not been impressed with Ohio State's defense. Uh, gave up a lot of points to, Nebraska, uh, to Minnesota. I feel like Minnesota could have also won that game had they kept playing as hard as they were in the first half, of course. And also the fact they lost their best running back, or they lost their best player in Mo Ibrahim for the season, I think, uh, against Ohio State in like the third quarter after he was like already at 112 yards in the second half. Sorry about that. And uh, uh, oh, C.J. Stroud has been playing pretty well, but I feel like he's not getting it to his best players enough. They've relied very much on Trevion Henderson. But Chris Olave is just not getting the ball as much as he probably should, and neither is Garrett Wilson. I feel like they should be the front point of the offense for them to be a high-scoring attack. But, of course, it's defense. You cannot argue that Ohio State is DBU if they're giving up this amount of yards, this amount of points per game. Of course, they they just lost to Oregon last week, which is a big loss. I feel like Ohio State had it in the bag for a little bit, but then they just kind of Gave up, or no, revert. Oregon almost gave up the, or almost threw away the bag. Ohio State almost came back, but then that defense is just horrendous. And then CJ Stroud, of course, has been kind of airing the ball a little too much. Uh, I feel like he he has way too many overthrows, which of course cost him the Oregon game with a pick. Once he overthrew his receiver, who would have got a first down on the play. Uh, And at three from the SEC, I have the Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, of course, they lost Haynes King at playing against Colorado. But when you're hyping up how good your quarterbacks are, this was a quarterback battle between him and Zach Calzada. Uh, when you only beat Colorado by three points as the number seven, six team in the nation, it's unacceptable, especially from an SEC team losing to a, almost losing to a mid-tier Pac-12 team. It's it's ridiculous to see that A&M defense, though, if I could, I'd probably put like a little half thing. A&M's defense has been playing amazingly, but the offense has been very lackluster. It could be the new offensive line, the young offensive line, and the quarterback play has just not been on point for them so far, especially after Kellen Mond didn't have the greatest of seasons, but he had played well enough to get them in that they should be in the comfortable play spot. Now looking at them, I don't see them finishing second or maybe even third in the in the SEC West right now. At two, I have my – I have – not my uh, – the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I feel like Notre Dame should be 0-3 right now. They've gotten bailed out of three games in a row. I am not high on Notre Dame. I don't like their – I like that they have some very good players, but as a whole, the team is not really all that good. They I, I think Jack Cohn is a decent quarterback, but that's as far as I'll go with that. And then at number one, I have the Clemson Tigers. Not shocking at all. Clemson was expected to be one of the best teams in college football, and they have already lost to Georgia and have almost lost to Georgia Tech, which is not not looking good for Dabo Sweeney. Uh, the defense looks pretty good, but the offense, the offense is so 
uh, slow. It can't. They can't move the ball. They can't score. And DJ Ongolai is just looking very overrated considering what we were expecting from him. He's not even in the top five Heisman odds, which is and it's shocking considering the fact that we have like Desmond Ritter, the Cincinnati quarterback, on here, and Matt Corral, who we kind of expected was like a dark horse. For now, he's in the front. Uh, this could be because Clemson lost a lot of players and their depth have never been all that good. But when you're a team that brings in the kind of caliber players that Clemson can, you cannot almost lose to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has not been good since I don't even know how long, probably before I was born at least. Uh, but Georgia Tech is their co- coach has been on the hot seat for like two years now, I believe, and this is just ridiculous to see. Uh, I would I want to see how Georgia Tech plays this week against UNC to kind of see what in the world was going on with Clemson that week or last week. Uh, when we come back from this break, I'll wrap up the show with my predictions for this week of football. Welcome back. I'm here to. We are back to wrap up Tank Talk Football with the last 15 minutes of the show. I'm going to finish up with my predictions for this week of college football, and I have a few games selected for NFL. I'm going to start off with the college what college game day is going is number 12, Notre Dame, versus number 18, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a five-and-a-half-point favorite, and I like the Badgers here. I've not been impressed with really either of these two teams. But I've I've seen more promise in Wisconsin than I have Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame, you can't, you cannot almost lose to Florida State, Toledo, even they won by fourteen to Purdue. But I feel like Purdue kind of sold the bag on that one. Uh, next game I have up Mississippi State at LSU. LSU is a three point favorite. Uh, I like the Tigers here. It is at Death Valley night. I believe it's a night game. Or maybe an afternoon game. But I like the Tigers here. I think Mississippi State could make a push, though. But I think LSU covers that. Uh, my top game of the week would probably be A&M versus Arkansas in Dallas. A&M is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. But I'm going to go with the upset. I like Arkansas. I have not been impressed with A&M at all this year. Not at all. That's even why I put them in my... Uh, top five least impressed impressed with teams this year. You can li- listen back to the podcast after I once I wrap up here. Uh, but yeah, I like Arkansas. KJ Jefferson's been playing lights out, or not lights out. He's been playing good enough to get them three and zero. They've already beat Texas, and Texas has looked better than A and M has thus far. Uh, I'm gonna group these two games together because I think it's a big teller as to how the ACC will pan out. Uh, Clemson versus NC State. Clemson is a 10-point favorite, but I could see NC State making a push to make this game closer than it probably really should be. But I could see Clemson just pulling out with this with this win. Uh, then I have UNC, the North Carolina, versus Georgia Tech. Uh, UNC is a 12-point favorite. I would love to see if Georgia Tech can hold up against UNC like they did Clemson. Uh, Georgia Tech was able to shut down Clemson's offense, and I want to see if they're able to do the same with Sam Howell. Uh, then I have some more SEC games. We got SEC conference games. Kentucky at South Carolina. Of course, I'm going to go with Kentucky, but that game's 
very important this season because that's kind of going to determine who's fourth and fifth in the uh, SEC East for me. Uh, I'm going to go with Kentucky, but I would not be shocked if South Carolina somehow pulls out an upset after how uh, Kentucky played against uh, the FCS uh, Chattanooga, how they played against Chattanooga. And then Tennessee at Florida. I feel like it's an important game for Tennessee to kind of see where they kind of stand. I want to see how their quarterback play is after they've announced Hendon Hooker is now the starter. But I feel like Florida's probably going to win this game big. It is in the swamp. And then I'll wrap up my college football predictions with Georgia State at Auburn. And, of course, I'm going to go with my Auburn Tigers. Uh, but the Sun Belt is known for making upsets. So the best thing for Auburn is don't underestimate Georgia State. They are only two years out from beating Tennessee. Don't underestimate this team because maybe they could, maybe they can get another big upset, which I don't want, but it's very likely to happen. Or not very, it's likely to happen. Uh, NFL predictions. Looking at Thursday night football, my Carolina Panthers versus the Texans. Carolina's an eight-point favorite. I'm going to go with my Panthers. Uh, the Texans are going to be starting Davis Mills, rookie from, uh, I believe, Stanford. Uh, this has been the third third time that Tyrod Taylor has been injured and then replaced by a rookie, which basically sets up Davis Mills to be a great quarterback in the NFL someday after this happened with Baker Mayfield, Justin Herbert, and now Davis Mills. Uh, I also have a game that I think is going to be fun to watch, speaking of uh, Justin Herbert, the Chargers at Chiefs. I think Kansas City is going to win this game, but I think the Chargers could make a good push for that game. I think the Chargers' offense is the key here. Uh, Justin Herbert needs to play well, get the ball to Keenan Allen, get the ball to Austin Eckler, and maybe they can pull pull this one out with a win. Up next, I have the Saints at Patriots. Uh, I'm going to pick New England strictly because I want the Saints to be bad, being a Panthers fan and all. But I also kind of want to – I am an Auburn fan saying this. I like Mac Jones. I like what he's doing in New England. I would love to see New England kind of competitive again. It's weird seeing them not. I know everyone's going to hate hate on me for saying that because, oh, you don't want the Patriots to be back. But I like Bill Belichick. I like Mac Jones, and I like a lot of players in the Patriots. I would love to see them good again. I used to root for them before I was a Panthers fan. Whenever they were in the Super Bowl, I always picked New England. Uh, then up next, I have uh, probably the best game of the week. Probably the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Tom Brady versus Matthew Stafford. Could be the battle of the MVP trophy if Matthew Stafford keeps it up. Uh, I'm going to go with the Rams because I really like I like uh, what the Rams bring, both offensively and defensively. I know the Bucks are doing the same, but I feel like the fact that this is in L.A. is going to be a key factor in who wins this game. So I'm going to go with the home team with the Rams. Uh, then I have Sunday Night Football, Packers at Niners. Uh, I This game was a tough for me to pick. These are both very historic franchises, but I feel like the Packers have – they didn't play well in the first week, but they played really good against Detroit. I like the Packers here, even though the 49ers are favored by three. I like the Packers. Monday Night Football, NFC East matchup, Eagles at Cowboys. I'm going to go with Dallas. I, but I, lo- I would love to see Jalen Hurts pull off the upset here. Uh, the Eagles kind of look not, I don't want to say great, but they look pretty decent. 
feel like Jalen Hurts is kind of proving that he's not a bust, that he's a good quarterback. And I like Devonta Smith, too. I feel like they're making a key connection. Of course, Devonta Smith scored his first career touchdown in the same part of the end zone that he beat Georgia in in the National Championship in 2017, which I thought was really funny. Uh, but, yeah, that's mo- that's most of my big predictions. I would like one of, uh, another fun game I could see. Uh, Colts-Titans. I'm going to pick the Tennessee Titans because my roommates are all Titans fans. But also because Carson Wentz somehow sprained both of his ankles. I don't know how you sprain both ankles. Uh, Carson Wentz, I feel like, is the most unlucky player in NFL history. Man has been dealing with injuries since he was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. But, yeah, that's all I have for the show today. Uh, Hopefully I get all my predictions right. I've not been good at doing that thus far. But I will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you missed any part of the show, make sure to catch the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be back next Wednesday at noon on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can follow the station's Twitter and Instagram at Weagle underscore AU for events, announcements, and more. If you can't make it to a radio, you can listen to our live stream at WeagleFM.com. As for me, come back next Wednesday at noon for more Tank Talks football.